It's June 6, 2018, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, we're going to hear about the upcoming Verge conference. We've got Mark Glick calling in right now. He's with the Hawaii Natural Energy Institute to tell us all about it. And of course, uh, when we're done with that, we will talk to a couple of the Kama'aina who've come home to kickstart their startups. We'll be talking to Vanessa Hanau from Immersely and Trevin Watase from Scholars App. Uh, both are part of the latest cohort from Blue Startups. And, uh, of course, they're going through the Cohort 10. Absolutely. But first up, as mentioned, let's welcome Mark Glick. He's joining us by phone to tell us about the upcoming Verge Conference. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Bert. How are you guys doing? Hey, good, Mark. Good to hear you again. Uh, we would have loved to have you in the studio, but uh, I guess what, you're in, what, D.C. right now? No, I'm in New York City. Oh, that's close uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and uh, so, Mark, uh, tell me a little bit about, now you're with the, the uh, Hawaii Natural Energy Institute, right? That's over up at UH. Right, right. So what are you doing and, over there now? Well, you know, really, I felt like with our policy objectives pretty clearly in place. You know, we, we had just gone to the 100% for, you know, renewable energy for power generation, and it was clear that the transportation goals were going to move forward. I, I really thought the main solutions really needed to be technical, and it, and it also needed to merge uh, policy. It had to integrate policy and regulation. So mm-hmm. uh, HNEI, and re- headed by Rick Rochelot, decided they wanted to build that into their already kind of highly technical uh, components that they're already working on for grid integration, mm-hmm. you know, for transportation solutions, for battery degradation uh, issues, and just a whole host of things, fuel cell development, and really work that into uh, the Hawaii, solving some of the problems for, for Hawaii, but also taking and replicating those solutions for the Asia-Pacific region. Absolutely. And we're doing that. So it's pretty exciting. So the thing um, we wanted to talk with you about is this upcoming Verge Conference. It's part of a of a national series of green business events, and it's marking the 10-year anniversary of the Hawaii Clean Energy Initiative, which is one of those goals you're talking about, very ambitious goals. So how is the how did the connection between um, you and your organization and uh, Verge come together? Well, you know, it really started with, in my previous job uh, when I was energy administrator, uh, mm. wanting to really upgrade our annual summit, energy summit. And what Verge does is it really embodies really vital workshops uh, to tackle some of the, you know, more meaty problems. Uh, they bring in great outside speakers, but also uh, they build workshops and special events. And they have wonderful things called Verge Talks, which are essentially like TED Talks. Mm. And, they, and it gives you a chance to kind of probe deeper into some of the key issues. And, you know, you'll know some of the people when I talk about, you know, who's going to be featured this year. And obviously going deep dive into some of these issues gives people, I think, here in Hawaii, um, you know, an opportunity to, to, like, get behind the scenes of the energy transition. So, you know, you took that question right out of my mouth, uh, Mark. Uh, who, who are the people that will be featured at the Verge Conference? Well, I, one of the ones that I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing, because I helped ramp this up, mm-hmm. um, it's called Verge Talk, Seeing is Believing, Visualizing Solutions to the Hawaii's Energy Challenges. And that's headed up by Jason Lee, who, as you know, is the head of LAVA mm-hmm. over at Hawaii. Right, uh, and, and, and real quickly, LAVA is a uh, sort of an immersive environment for visualization of, of data and just a lot of, uh, I guess, interesting 
stories that you could tell via data visualization, data analysis? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the bottom line is we knew that uh, energy planning, modeling, uh, it's, so, it's so complicated mm-hmm. now to optimize these uh, distributed generation uh, modeling, utility-scale modeling, demand response, optimize that, make it as sort of efficient as possible. And it's, it's difficult enough just on a static sort of uh, graphs and charts and, and, you know, pages and pages of the explanations. But we know that if you can look at data, mm-hmm. you can see these things sort of moving and you can, you can see where geographically they fit in and how do they work within the eco- ecosystem, you can get it right away. You can see, well, when we compare uh, these generation options or we, you know, look at demand response and we do so much of this, you can move these really complicated data sets around and then present them in this simple and elegant way where you immediately get the trade-offs and it's not a really difficult sort of thing for decision makers to arrive at, uh, you know, ways to sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, interpret all this sort of really technical data and come up with good decisions or better decisions, let's say. Well, you talked about some of the great speakers they bring in. You've got Sanjay Bose from Con Edison. You've got people coming from the University of Melbourne and Australia, so international, national as well. But uh, certainly um, local experts and local leaders in this space are represented as well. I mean, I was wondering if you could speak to some of them. I see the uh, mayor of Maui and certainly people we know from Hawaii Energy, for example. Um, Any that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the Interesting things that we're going to talk about, you know, is Hawaii ready for a carbon standard? You know, Chris Lee has been really trying to look for different ways to kind of get us more climate-oriented and looking at ways to reduce uh, carbon. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be, you know, he, I think he's one of the, you know, other mm-hmm. local sort of leaders. Uh, but, you know, Don Lipper obviously always plays a key role. The accelerator, elemental accelerator is going to be, you know, featured once again. Uh, the fast pitch competitions, obviously. Um, there's just so many exciting things. You can't get bored at this thing. And it's three days of exciting um, discussions. Again, a lot of local people, but people outside the state. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, uh, because we're such a big sponsor, I can get people, uh, if they use this registration code, 20% off if they haven't signed up yet. Okay, like yeah. Huh? So tell us the, re- uh, the registration code. Yeah, it's, so it's VH18. I better write this down, okay? Mm-hmm. VH18. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> yeah, VH, uh, Verge Hawaii, 18, SP, I don't know what the SP stands for, mm. 20. 20. Well, we will also um, we'll put that up on our show notes. Up. And then, so real quickly, uh, Mark, where can people go to register and use this code? Right. If you go to uh, greenbiz.com mm-hmm. and just look up Verge Hawaii 2018, mm-hmm. you'll be able to uh, look at the program, the speakers, you know, all the special programs, the Sustainability Tourism Summit, um, you know, how you can tap into the virtual event. But that's where you can also sign up and and you can use this code and get 20% off. Absolutely. And a very important piece of information, of course, is that this event takes place next week, June 12th through the 14th <laughs> That's uh, a very at, good the Hilton, at the Hilton Hawaiian Village. Very and good. It's, really, it's the really premier thing that you know goes beyond just Hawaii. It, it mm-hmm. is our summit, and it's our chance to shine. And I really encourage people to come out and enjoy it and support it. 
because it's really something that makes us, it really sets us apart. We have become truly national and international leaders in this space, and this is our chance to shine. Well, thanks, thanks, Mark, for all you do, and we want to thank you for joining us today. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll, jo- we'll be joined by Vanessa Hanau and Travin Watase, both from Blue Startups, Cohort 10. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu co-working. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us uh, are Vanessa Hanau and Traven Watase. Vanessa is the founder of Immersely, a startup that enables brands to advertise inside the immersive game environment. Meanwhile, Traven returns to Bite Marks Cafe to tell us about Scholars App. It's a tool to enable graduates to find scholarships, and of course, we'll hear his plans to help it grow. And, of course, why did these Kama'aina decide to return through the Blue Startups Accelerator program here in Honolulu? And, of course, we will get to that question, but we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on board. Well, first, we want to give you both a chance to tell us a little bit about uh, Immersely. So, Vanessa, why don't you tell us that? And then, and, um, Trevor, you'll tell us about Scholars App, but uh, we'll start with Vanessa. Sure. So I started off as a game publisher. Um, and it was then when I I had a huge pain point, And it was how do I monetize without compromising the user experience? Um, we started doing campaigns with brands like Puma. Um, mm-hmm. And what we did, we did branding within the content. So blended branding within the content. Um, It was then when we saw an opportunity to create a platform that helps brands place 3D immersive advertising within games. Excellent. And certainly gaming is a big industry. Now it's a professional sports league level of of revenue. Well, you know, and and I I was going to, you know, just start diving into the questions (laughs) about Immersely, but I want to do, I want to give Travin a chance to talk about the Scholars app. So Scholars App um, is a platform for donors to get more qualified applicants. So we usually take donors from like six applications to hundreds within a couple, maybe 20 days or something like that. And this is helping more scholarship money get distributed right here to the community in Hawaii. Well, Great. so um, let's. I'd like to start with Scholars sure. App briefly okay. Okay. because, I, of course, I have a daughter in college who has actually been successful in supporting most of her education so far with scholarships. But I thought it was interesting when you described it. You're saying you're helping donors, you're helping scholarship providers find qualified applicants. So first of all, in terms of a pitch or your elevator pitch, how do you balance speaking to someone who might be in that market of giving a scholarship versus, I would say, the much larger numerical market of people who are looking to receive scholarships. Oh, that's a good point. I said, uh, know your audience definitely uh, helps. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still help the students. It's a common app feature for the students. Uh, but, you know, the donors are, are basically, you know, our customer mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So that's what we are building for. That is where our metrics lie. So yeah. And you said, like, take it from six. So is that a problem for scholarship providers to not f- – sometimes it's, you, would, you would think that it's hard to get scholarships because the competition is great. Mm-hmm. But what it sounds like you're saying is sometimes you have scholarships that don't receive enough ap- ap- applications. Oh, yeah. So um, that's actually one of the biggest problems that is out there. So over $100 million of scholarships go unclaimed each year due to lack of applications. But then what we found out is we took existing donors this year with, like – 
they come to us with, you know, maybe about less than 20 applications that they're getting. And then we take it up to 100 plus. And then they're inspired by the stories. And they're like, you know what? We want to give out more scholarship money. This is a ceiling that they've never seen before. And that's what we have done. But usually in Hawaii before us, it would you have a really high chance of getting a scholarship, generally speaking. So the donors that you work with, uh, are you, are you, um, let's, are they the obvious ones or are you uncovering ones that are little known? I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, FCA, they write to me and they tell me, hey, you know, we've got a scholarship that we want to get to the kids, so can you let people know? Mm-hmm. How do they find you? So, uh, sorry, I never heard of FCA. FCA is the uh, armed forces, so they're, they're tied to some of the, um, Department of Defense contractors. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole like uh, association of these companies. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, definitely we'll work with basically any scholarship donor um, mm-hmm. that is giving to a college-bound student mm-hmm. or someone in college. Um, but we take on anyone. Uh, we So for donors that aren't getting enough exposure, obviously that's our main market that we're going after. But we also have organizational tools that help donors manage the, you know, the hundreds mm-hmm. of applications that they, we give them. Oh, great, great. So, all right. Well, let's uh, hear about Immersely. Vanessa did a very good job saying that she started from as being a game publisher, but of course you want to be able to eat as a game publisher. But monetization has to be something more effective than just saying, we're going to put a billboard on the wall of the building you see in this game. So tell us about this platform that you're building. What does this integrated advertising content look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, games and advertising traditionally have never mixed well. Mm -hmm. And that's because games are all about the experience and advertising is seen as an interruption to that experience. Um, And because of this, uh, examples of this are, you know, your pop up ads or your forced videos, anything that's interrupting you from playing your game. But as a game publisher, you have no other option. This is how you you need to make money. Um, so what we're doing is we're providing game, game publishers an extra channel, an, ad, an additional channel to their 2D monetization um, where they can monetize their in-game environment. Um, and what this does to, for the brand is this creates, um, increases uh, brand equity, bra- um, brand awareness, um, increases purchase lift. So the idea is that, you know, you, th- this is the place where you spend hours and hours each day. So you're reaching and engaging the customer in their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the idea is that if you see, for example, just like traditional product placement that we see in film, uh, the Tom Cruise drinking the Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is that when you see the game character with a Coca-Cola can or a Sprite can, next time you go into the grocery store, you're going to pick up that Coca-Cola Because you want to be like Tom Cruise. <laughs> exactly. So we're trying to bring the traditional concept of product placement within the film industry hmm. into the world of um, games. Well, how does that work for a developer? Because certainly they might not have a game where there's a soda can that they could deploy, or it might not be a driving game where billboards would work. So how do you come up with a platform that works on the different ways? You, you mentioned 2D, so I imagine that's part of it. Yeah, so what? how this works is we've created an SDK, and um, it's an easy drag-and-drop SDK. What the game publisher does is selects the areas within the game environment. So it can be a billboard, it can be a block, it can be a game character shirt, shoe, any part of the game. So the game publisher selects it and says, this is a placement. And then we automatically fill that placement with ads. Now, this is really fascinating Mm -hmm. because both of you have really interesting 
startups, and I'm, I'm really glad to have you both here. But the other part of the story is that you both have roots in Hawaii, but you spent probably the better part of the last year or multiple years, like in your case, Vanessa, elsewhere, like in your case, Spain and Chavin, you were in the San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So, Chavin, tell me, I mean, you left, we had you on about a year ago, you left and you started to really, you know, sort of get your feet grounded in the Bay Area. Um, what was that like? Oh, I, I loved it. It was, um, it was uh, for someone who lived in Hawaii all, year, all my life, getting away from the islands for a little bit and getting exposed to kind of like, you know, real world, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, you know, not everyone's going to walk down the street and say, hey, how's it kind of stuff, right? Um, that was good um, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. So the question is, when you're building that momentum and you're putting down roots in what someone would say is the epicenter of startup activity, what drew you to interrupt that briefly, however briefly, to go through the um, Blue Startups program back here in Honolulu? Uh, I mean, Blue, I know, knew Shinoa for a while, and um, you know, we applied in the past. Mm-hmm. And you know, okay. the opportunity came, and you know, it was kind of like, why not? And also, I literally was a year out that I've been away from Hawaii. So, and it was over summer. So, obviously, we're pretty seasonal, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the schools are gone. So, I was like, oh, this will be a good time to go mm-hmm. through an accelerator. And, and um, Vanessa, your, uh, I'd like to hear how your experience, like, let's say, New York, Spain, and I'm sure it was a great experience in Spain. Tell us how, what you've learned there and how that is now being perhaps transfer here because now you're in the cohort 10. Yeah, so let's see. New York, I spent three years in New York, and New York taught me what it is to work hard. Um, I mean, long work days and, and just the ambition, the drive, the energy that you feel that you live in New York is is unlike any other. So that that was one of the biggest things that that I um, that I picked up in New York. Um, in Spain, uh, Spain is where I, I built the game publishing house. So Spain taught me what it was like to be an entrepreneur, mm. um, and just having access to the um, Barcelona startup startup ecosystem, which mm-hmm. is pretty um, pretty well established, and um, it's it's been an incredible experience. Um, to, so I'm sure, like like Travin, I mean, it's a very vibrant uh, environment. You're learning a lot. It's uh, all new people. How did Blue sort of draw you back uh, in in this summer months of, of June and July? Yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest thing, see, I applied to accelerators um, in California, accelerators on the East Coast, and I applied to Blue. And I chose Blue because Blue has a vertical specific focus. One of their focuses is gaming. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's very important to get smart capital, to be alongside people that are actually um, experts in the area that I am building. Um, so that, that that's very important. Having folks on board like um, Hank Rogers. Yes. Oh, um, Mr. Tetris, as they yeah, say. Yeah, mm-hmm. our lead mentor, Lisa. She worked at EA and uh, several other big game uh, um, companies. Um, so th- this, this to me, was unparalleled to any other options that I had. Nice. That's great. So, so I really want to kind of get into maybe what you're currently going through as the program, I think, is probably in its third week or so, third or fourth week, f- yeah. or fifth week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hold I that thought. Nice. We'll be right back <laughs> after this short break to continue our conversation with Vanessa Hanau and Travin Watase about startup life and coming back home maybe temporarily. This is Bite Marks Cafe. <laughs> Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, 
which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar, Hawaii Pacific University, and Locations. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we are talking to Vanessa Hanau from Immersely and Travin Watase of Scholars App about the startup experience. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about what drew them to uh, the blue cohort. And it's interesting to hear, Vanessa, that it wasn't so much about coming home. And obviously, it's got to be some value that you get out of the experience how has the first five weeks been? I mean, has it been? Has it sort of met your expectations? Well, you know what? I, I, I don't want to say that it, it wasn't also coming home. I think I, I've been away for half a decade. So I, for me, I, I've been looking for a reason to come back, mm-hmm. and Blue has given me that reason to come oh, back. That's good. I, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I, don't, I would probably be coming home for vacations and these <laughs> sorts of things, but Blue has given me a reason to mm-hmm. come and... and and grow my startup here. Um, the first five weeks, the first five weeks have been um, day-to-day workshops uh, with incredible mentors, um, mentors that have even flown from um, Silicon Valley to teach us things like um, business strategy, marketing, tech, um, business development, customer discovery. Um, it's a very hands-on program. Um, it's been f- Four weeks, but it feels like it's been three months <laughs> in a good way, That's in a, a very good way. And, and uh, Travin, I mean, what kinds of uh, workshops have you perhaps or, or you know, people that you've been mentored through during these first four months, four weeks, how has it sort of changed your view on the startup experience? On the startup experience? Or just, you know, how do you proceed with the business that you are undertaking? Was it? Was it, obviously, it wasn't enough just to go to the barrier and, and work on your startup. Now they're giving you a whole set of tools to use. Definitely. Um, and, and it's also not just a set of tools that I found out. It's like going through Blue, that's like a, like a badge or an award, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, that really helped us to get credibility when also talking to other people. Now more people take us seriously because we got kind of like this stamp of approval from Blue. Uh, the tools and mentors that they have uh, provided is great. And like I said, I'm surprised about the people that are flying in just mm. to come in, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I should mention that um, I went through the Blue um, program myself with the startup that I co-founded with uh, some friends, uh, Smart Yields. I, I would agree with what Vanessa is saying. It's an intensive, full, rich, content-rich mm-hmm. program. Um, certainly the connections are very important as well as the expertise in Asia-Pacific or gaming or technology specifically. Um, but here's a question that might be fun but also challenging to answer. One of the things that you get when you bring your beautiful baby of an idea to an accelerated program is stark and honest feedback. So, Vanessa, I mean, what was something, whether or not you agreed with it, or in fact, whether or not you would execute on it, would be a piece of feedback that you received that really took you aback, that really made you rethink something big? Well, you know, this is, this is, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the the feedback. (laughs) So one thing that I've realized in this year and a half journey and even more so this past four weeks just because it's very different to be on a uh, to be an entrepreneur working on your idea in your co-working space or your little office as, as opposed to being in an environment where everything's flying your way mm-hmm. um so what what i've learned is that you're going to get feedback and opinions all day all night and you just have to take and and, and pick what you know 
what fits. Otherwise, you know, you'll pivot every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I guess one of the, the, the best pieces of advice that I received is um, we're building uh, an ad network that completely automates the process of 3D immersive advertising. Um, and one of the, the, the most useful pieces of feedback was, uh, why don't we do a step zero, create a marketplace where you simply make the connection between the brand and the game publisher, um, get to know them really well, know exactly what it is that advertisers want mm. before you begin automating processes. Um, so this is this is probably one of the most valuable pieces. Yeah, like build an MVP and do some customer dis- discovery through exactly. it before building more. How about yeah, you? Tre- yeah, Trevin, what, what, what has... Uh, the exposure to some of the new ideas given you thoughts to ponder? Uh, well, definitely. Well, on the, like, on the small side, it was just like, how can we make small adjustments, you know, to make our product better, our sales pitches better, stuff like that. On the bigger picture, this happened pretty recently. We talked to one of our mentors, and then he uh, basically said that you guys are a system of records play. And I was like, no, we always thought we were a marketplace, right? But, um, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, pondering, like that happened kind of recently, but that kind of blew, you know, made my... Systems of record, record play. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah what, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> so, uh, like I said, this happened recently. I'm still pondering <laughs> it uh, myself. But basically, um, going after, um, you know, having a lot of, a, a giant database, mm-hmm. or the concept of it, uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. where the real value comes in. Now, now, you know, uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have, I do want to hear what you have in mind once the program is done. You're coming to come home for the summer? Is it like just a summer fling? And and what do you have planned after the cohort is done? Vanessa? So for Immersely, we will most likely set up shop in New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, New York City as a market for advertisers, for investment, is what makes most sense to us. And mm-hmm. we definitely see a lot of Blue Startups uh, alumni, you know, find their ideal market. It might not always be here in Hawaii. And uh, Travin, what's your next milestone? Um, for milestone, like in terms of moving? Or your, yeah, your target after um, the program has completed. So we're probably going to be setting up in L.A. Um, after mm. this. Um, I mean, just into the marketplace. Where we're going to be headquarters at, we're still not sure yet. We're just going to go wherever gives us the best possible pl- uh, chance to scale. So in terms, of, in terms of the scaling, I mean, how, are you going, how will you measure that opportunity? I mean, it's not going to be obvious that L.A. perhaps is the place to scale. How would you determine you know, the scale and the place? How do you put that together? Um, so our play, our go-to-market is strictly on the data. So uh, wherever we can get the most signups, and then we, the good thing about coming here, starting our startup here in Hawaii, is that it was a good small market. We could actually get the numbers that we needed, like how many high schools can we sign, how many donors, and we can use that as a relative scale into other markets in a certain time period. If we don't hit it, it's not definitely a good market to roll into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, Vanessa, if someone wanted to find out more about Immersely, are you in stealth mode, or is there some place they can go for more information? They could. I m m e r. S-E-L-Y dot I-O. Ah, we will put that on our show notes at brightmarkscafe.org. Yeah, and in, actually the site has quite a bit of information about what you do, and I thought it was a great uh, a great idea, and I'm really looking forward All to right. Thank you. check Succeed. that out. And, of course, Scholars App. You can go to scholarsapp.com. So. Very straightforward, and and it's <laughs> already in operation. And my daughter Kate, if you're listening, go to scholarsapp.com <laughs> and yeah, get some scholarship <laughs> get some money so that you know your poor dad can be less <laughs> financially burdened. 
Anyway, Vanessa Hanau, she founded Immersely.io. And of course, Traven Watase heads up Scholars App. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank Thanks you. For Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we're going to talk and hear about an international code challenge called eIcon coming from Korea, I believe, here to Hawaii. That's right. And of course, uh, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Bite Marks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app. And of course, you be awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.